Travel Support Thursday, episode two. We're Woo! back. So this is a show where we take all of your questions about travel or budget or also our personal lives and finances and we'll <laughs> answer them for you. And hopefully that'll help you travel the world on a budget. And that's awesome. If you're new here, I'm Lisa. Oh, yeah. And we're travel content creators, primarily on YouTube, where we make, yeah, videos on budget travel. But we're bringing back a segment called Travel Thursday, where we're taking all of the questions that we don't always get to answer when we're making videos and answering them right here. And if you haven't guessed either on YouTube land, uh, we are doing this in video format here on YouTube, as well as podcast format at a podcast platform near you. So if you're walking, jogging, just generally walking around your house, feel free to turn this on as well. Yeah. If you have a question that you want answered, just make sure to throw it down in the comments below and then the most upvoted questions every week we're going to answer. And wherever in the world we are. Okay. So let's just get right into it. So we got a bunch of great questions. We've got so many good questions. We thank you so much for those who submitted them down in the YouTube comments below. If you're listening to this on podcast and you want to submit a question, make sure to do it over on YouTube because we haven't figured out how to let you do that yet on the podcast platform, but we're gonna. And we appreciate you. We're gonna figure that out one of these days. We're gonna figure it out. So, okay, so the things that we're talking about, first of all, using points through a credit card to be able to book free flights and free hotels. We're gonna talk about that entire world, how that works, how much we use it and how much we rely on it, which is a lot. And we're also gonna talk about how do we pick where we go, mm. which cities we go to, which countries we go to, and then how do we decide how long we're gonna stay for it. And then I think the juiciest thing today, and definitely the thing that I'm most terrified to talk about for a lot of different reasons, is how much money we make as content creators, and is that money enough to allow us to travel the world indefinitely? Yeah. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Travel Thursday. Travel Thursday. Here we go. Please help us figure out our tagline. And I don't know. I mean, should we get rid of this? Jingle? No, we heard from all two of you. <laughs> they loved it. Okay. <laughs> Listener question one. This is actually a compilation of several of your questions. So thanks, guys, for asking them last week on our podcast last time. The main question is, do you guys get travel credit cards with the large sign-up bonuses to get yourself some free flights and hotel rooms? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So Sure do. Cool. I have so much to say about this topic, and I'm not sure how much I should say on this podcast, because we could do this for three hours if you wanted, where I could talk just about this one thing, but... You're going to go on a very long walk today, right? Here's what we'll say. Here's what we'll say, is that uh, just in the last year alone, we've saved somewhere between fifteen dollars and $25,000 just off of booking <sighs> flights with these credit card miles and points, and over my lifetime, well over 100000 that's a lot of money. Close to a quarter of a million dollars saved on travel costs alone just by doing this credit card churning thing. So for those of you out there not familiar with credit card churning. Or right. travel hacks or credit card hack. What do you, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. call it when it's just like you're getting points and miles from spending on credit cards? Yeah, let's just call it playing the, the credit card points game for now. And then we'll, we'll go deeper in a little That's bit. That's quite long. It is very, yeah, succinctness, not happening. <laughs> or ever, <laughs> if you watch our channel. Not, not occurring. Okay, so here's how I would best describe this if you have no idea what we're talking about, right? Have you ever seen those credit cards, and this is mostly for people in the U.S., although this exists elsewhere in the world as well, 
that say like, hey, if you sign up for this credit card, it'll give you 60,000 Southwest miles if you spend $1,000 on this card in the first three months. Hashtag not sponsored by Southwest, by the way. Yeah, just an example. Just an example. <laughs> there are lots of credit cards in the United States and elsewhere that offer similar giant point bonuses. And what we like to do is we sign up for these credit cards specifically just to get the point bonuses and then use those points to book flights for us for free to be able to travel around the world. And we do this a lot. In fact, so much so that I would say most to all of the flights that we've taken this year have been a result of accumulating these points and then spending them. Yeah, they're really, really worthwhile for long distance travel, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, I mean, essentially... So I guess the way I like to think about credit card sign-up bonuses and credit card miles is basically the credit card companies are rewarding you or us um, for spending money on credit cards um, on things that we would normally buy. So like when we go grocery shopping, we use our credit cards. When we get gas, we basically try to spend everything that we can that we would typically be spending on on our travel credit cards. And anytime there's a sign-up bonus, that's essentially saying when you sign up, you get a few months usually mm -hmm. to spend a minimum spend. Usually it's like $2,000 to $4,000 to make a bunch of points that you wouldn't, you wouldn't typically get. Yeah, and then the more advanced version of that, like I would say most people would start and they'd just be like, hey, I just want a travel credit card and then maybe it'll give me some points and I'll just get that one and I'll just keep spending on that forever and slowly accumulate points over time. Totally fine, totally safe. We do that sometimes as well. But if you wanted to go into the next level of it, what you do is then once you're done spending on that first card and you get the 60,000 Southwest miles or whatever, then you would sign up for another card, which would then have another minimum spend, which would say be $3,000 for 60,000 chase points. Mm. And then you would spend those $3,000, get a bunch of chase points, and then you'd sign up for another credit card and another credit card and another credit card. So there's definitely a way to do this if you're careful to be able to constantly get these sign-up point bonuses over and over and over again and accumulate millions of miles and still keep a pretty decent credit score and not totally detonate your entire financial well-being. So the short answer to this question is yes. We yeah. definitely are partakers, I participants, know. active players in the credit card travel so game. so deep in this game <laughs> And I would say that when we were first, you know, planning our one year, what intended to be our one year full time travel or honeymoon, we both actively played the game by signing up for a lot of credit cards. And when there's two players involved, yeah, you can definitely rack up a lot of points and a lot of credit cards. I will say, I mean, there's a lot of caveats and there's a lot of rules to this. We're not your financial planners or your accountants, but I mean, some good some good rules of thumbs that we have learned to to follow. Is it thumbs or one thumb? Thumbs? Rule Multiple? Of thumb. Oh. I think rule of singular thumb. I'm not so good one with the thumb. phrases. Yeah. Uh, the good rules of thumb to follow. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, some golden rules. Yeah, there you go. Some golden rules. Some rules I feel like... some hands. Some hand rules. Rules of hands. Rules to put your hands on. Okay. If you got hands, you got rules. Rule things with your hands. Um, we generally try to pay off any spend that we... We generally try to pay off all of our bills 
not just the minimum. And we try not to keep a balance at any time. We're always paying off our bills. And we also, luckily, haven't accumulated any debt. We've paid off all of our student loans. We don't have any car, car loans. So, you know, this is also one of the reasons why we feel a little bit more comfortable playing in this credit card travel game. Yeah. Uh, all that being said, it has saved us a ton of money while we've traveled, especially in the last few years. If you're interested in going mega, mega deep on this, like nerding out spreadsheets and all, of course, we have a Skillshare course that you can check out all about credit card points, all about miles, how to best tell if your miles or your points are worthwhile versus just paying for flights and cash, for example. And we also made a video last year summarizing how much we spent in our entire year of full-time travel and how much actually we saved by offsetting our costs with points and miles. We've gotten to stay in some pretty fancy hotels that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to, and we've been able to take some pretty incredible flights for free. Yep, and we also write about this a lot in our newsletter, but that's enough about the other stuff. Let's talk about like how we use this today. Mm. I wanna talk about like how churning fits into our lives today. So in a couple of weeks, we're heading to Sydney, and then we're flying to New Zealand after that for like three weeks, and then we're heading back here to Hawaii at the end of September, right? So the flight out to Sydney, we found super cheap using Scott's Two Flights, I mm -hmm. think, pointed us to They're the called Jetstar Going now. Going, yeah, oh, that new name is awful. Uh, <laughs> so we found a really cheap flight to get over to Australia, but then that flight back home from New Zealand to Hawaii, crazy expensive. Not that crazy cheap. Crazy expensive. So... We figured out, okay, so there's like Hawaiian Airlines that flies direct from there, and then there's Air New Zealand that flies direct from there, both of which are great airlines. So we quick looked online. Air New Zealand happens to be in part of the same alliance as United. Pretty sure that's right. Could you double check that? Oh, boy. Fact checking. Let's look up Air New Zealand Alliance. Star Alliance? Nailed it. Yeah. So we went up to United's website and just searched up how much they cost. And I think it was like 35,000 points per person one way, which is an okay redemption for this kind of, this like thousand dollar per person mm -hmm. flight. So then we had a target. We needed to find 70,000 United miles, right? So then I looked online onto a website like doctorofcredit.com, which happens to list all the best current sign-up bonuses for credit cards. We then took that, applied to a credit card that would get us United Miles, which for us was this new United Quest credit card, fulfilled the minimum spend, got the points, and then we used those points to book our flights for free. Well, I guess using the points, so mostly for free. Saved ourselves $2,000 worth of travel costs for our flight back home. Spending on stuff that we were already spending on. Yeah, yeah. Which is normal, pretty awesome. Our normal Sam's Club trips and everything else. Gas, all of that. Yeah. yeah, which kind of answers one of the other questions that's lumped into these credit card travel questions. Um, people are asking, you know, if you could have one travel credit card, which would it be and why? And a lot of that, I think, just depends on the goal, right? Like, if you're specifically trying to save for a, a target trip or a location, it's always helpful to know what kinds of points you need and how many points you need. And that can help you see what credit card signup bonuses are available. Yeah. How would you answer that question? If you could only have one travel card, credit card, which would it be outside of that? Okay. So, oh man, this is one that I just saw. There's 150,000 mile 
or 150,000 American Express Platinum points after spending 6,000 in the first like three or four months. That's a crazy amount of American Express mm. points. That's like six to ten thousand dollars worth of points, depending on how you use them. So that seemed really exciting. But then you'd have the problem of if you use an American Express card, it's not really accepted in a lot of different places mm -hmm. around the world. So I don't know if that would be the one I'd bring with me. I think I'd look at something like a Chase Sapphire Preferred or a Capital One Venture X, both of which always have tons of different like regular spend point bonuses since this is our only card and both of them are visas. So that means it'll be accepted almost everywhere that you go. And they have really nice benefits, right? Mm -hmm. like, like both of them will mm -hmm. get you lounge access, which is sweet. Mm -hmm. To answer this question, I think of like the one travel credit card that I've kept the longest. And I think it was my first credit card, like my first credit card that actually gave me perks and travel mm -hmm. travel rewards and that was chase sapphire reserve um it's just like it's tried and true it's very popular they had a great sign up bonus i think it was like eighty thousand when i first signed up eighty thousand chase points and it, it's got a hefty it's got a hefty annual fee it's like 400 maybe 500 dollars now but it comes with a lot of perks right so with that annual fee, you get $300 in travel credit, which means that if you buy flights, if you take Uber or Lyft or anything, you get $300 credit back. So that's already like, you know, $300 of that $500 annual fee is is gone already, which yeah. is great. And then with lounge access you get lounge credit, access. And yeah. Travel insurance that you get with it as well as rental car insurance true. as well as like a bunch of other random parks these cars with the huge annual fees i shied away from them for the longest time yeah. for the longest time because i felt like the, i was always told to one just be terrified of credit cards in the first place like i don't know when i was in college or around then i don't know if this happened to you but oh yeah everyone that i knew as soon as they talked about credit cards was like this hush whisper of like oh my god don't do it or it felt like a card. scam because right yeah. people would stand outside and flyer you for credit cards college students of all people you know massive student debt right. but but no income, but they're like, hey, you want a free t-shirt? Sign up for this credit card. And you're like, I can't trust you. Right. You're trying to give me something for free. And my dad was always like, never spend money that you don't have. And in my head, I thought, well, credit cards aren't physical money or cash, so I shouldn't. But I feel like now I've learned like this is a thing that I shouldn't be afraid of. I should be, I, I should take it seriously, but not be afraid of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that, like, you know, the fear of God was put into me around credit cards <laughs> since I was looking. Like, it, it was talked about as though, like, if you received a credit card, you just, like, couldn't stop yourself from just, like, buying so much random stuff. That like you'd, a like, Porsche. Yeah, you'd end up with, like, a Porsche and a yacht somehow. <laughs> and then you'd end up, like, a billion dollars in debt. And this would just, like, happen as soon as you received the credit card. You'd just, like, lose all hope of not just spending a million dollars. And... After I sort of, like, got past that a little bit, you start to realize that credit cards, yeah, they're scary, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, they, if you don't, if you're not good with your money, credit cards are a tool that you can use to very easily financially destroy yourself. Absolutely. But if you can have a little bit of restraint, if you cannot buy a portion of Ferrari as soon as you <laughs> receive the amount of money to be able to buy that, if you have a little bit of, if you have, like, a good head on your shoulders with finances, these can be used as a tool 
to unlock tens of thousands of dollars worth of like free travel or free other stuff. Unfortunately, all that's a direct result. Like all these super generous bonuses exist specifically because there are so many people that the credit card industry is actively haranguing into these like 17% to 22% APRs that they're just like taking their money and that's why these giant bonuses exist and there's like as ah, like this moral weirdness in the middle of also so yeah and which is why which is why we're very very careful to make sure that we pay off our credit card balances as soon as we get them you definitely always have to be able to pay off your full balance every single month on my first trip i saved up enough to be able to literally get a 16 stop trip around the world for free with american airlines miles there's that's some wild insane things you can unlock with this but obviously there's a little bit of risk involved too and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk definitely about that. we're not trying to say you should definitely do it but we're trying to say yes we partake and we appreciate and are grateful for the benefits that come with it for sure yes. and, and just to circle back around on the one travel credit card just oh to make yeah sure that we like concisely say that so i would say for me Capital One Venture X would be my pick if I could only have one right now. Hmm. What do you think? Mine would be the chat. Mine would be the Chase Sapphire Reserve. I just think it was like an all-around good card. You get three times, I think, points every time you spend going out to eat or um, on travel, and you get a lot of perks. So, oh, and, the, and the points are so transferable with either mm. of those cards. So. Generally, when you get these credit cards, uh, spending the points directly on their travel portal that they have, like as in booking flights directly with the points with Chase or with Capital One, that'll be the worst use of points available to you. You'll almost always want to transfer them to one of their like 15 to 20 transfer partners like Hyatt or British Airways or United or any of the other ones available to you. You'll get a much higher value. The other, the other question that's kind of grouped into this credit card points miles conversation, someone asked, how do you amass points when you don't bulk shop? Is there a trick or plan? Oh, this is, I mean, I mean, I think the one thing that like you can count on us for is, is always being willing to cover the bill for things when we have when we have a new sign up bonus when we have a new credit card we're always like oh can we can we pay this restaurant bill or can we we'll ask our friends and family hey do you have any large purchases coming up do you need to go to Costco or Sam's Club do you need to fill up on gas cuz we can take care of that for you and then you can you know if you're willing to can you pay us back on Venmo i mean it's the way that we've been able to, like, if we don't have any big spends coming up, we just offer to pay for other people's things just so that we can make, make that minimum spend. And then there are some of the more morally ambiguous ways to do that. Oh, boy. I'll give you this term. It's called manufactured spending. And I'll tell you the story about this guy I know. Okay, so the time frame was 2011. And at this time... The U.S. Mint wanted to get the $1 gold coin into circulation, and they wanted to do it so bad that they made it available to buy these $1 gold coins in 1,000-coin increments on a credit card. And oh, boy. And to your house for free. And so my friend had all these credit cards, and uh, all of them had these minimum spends, like 5,000 spend to get all these chase points and like 1,000 spend to get these Southwest points and whatever. So then my friend received all these gold coins that were purchased using a credit card, took these gold coins to a bank, deposited them into their bank account, and then used that money that was deposited in the bank account to pay off the credit card bill. So uh, manufactured spending is, right, is one of those gray areas, obviously. 
And uh, it's a way of like creating credit card debt, but without actually spending any money to do so. And uh, some other like lighter examples of this are, let's say that you go onto Amazon and you buy a TV off of it, or something really expensive that's really small and really cheap to ship. You buy that, it comes to your house, you then return it, and instead of getting the money back on your credit card, you just take the Amazon.com gift card balance or whatever. You, you just have it deposited into a gift card balance. And then that amount of money is still like a credit card charge on your card, but you still have that exact amount of value available in a store that you would shop at frequently. I mean, couldn't you do that? You could do that with any, any gift card, so, really. So this is a good point because... So generally, cards will not count buying gift certificates towards that, like, minimum spend exactly for this reason. But this Amazon.com thing is a bit of a loophole because it looks like a real transaction. It's just the money kind of, like, shifts from one thing to the other. Again, would not recommend doing this only under extreme circumstances. But those are some things that exist, and you can decide whether or not you want to use them. Manufactured spending, it's a real thing. You can look on Reddit about it more or check out the course. We talk about it a little bit in there. All right. I think we answered that pretty (laughs) thoroughly. Okay, moving on. Listener question two. How do you pick where to go and how long to stay for? This comes from Impalagation. Impala, like Impala, like the car? Impalagation. That's a really that's a really fair question. And I would say complicated, I think, depends again on yeah, so many factors. I feel like the like the first step when we decide any trip that we're going to take, though, is I feel like just always budget. Yeah, it's price first for sure. It's always the budget. Like, I think, and I think that's because yeah. we're just we're interested in everywhere. Right? <laughs> that's so true. Like, so there's not really a bad trip that we could take. You know, there's not like a bad destination. Mm-hmm. We could go back to a place, and we have done that multiple times. But each time we go back to Tokyo or Seoul or Paris or whatever, we have a different time and we do different things. So it's never the same going back twice. We don't. I don't know. We don't feel like that's a bad thing. But also if the cheapest flight happens to be to somewhere we've never been. That Even better. Probably would be awesome. Yeah, I do uh, feel like I do think we use like things for inspiration, like things we see in movies or TV or in photos. I love looking at photos of places to give me an inspiration of where I want to go next. But I think ultimately it starts with the budget. We love using Google Flights, the Explore tab. If you've never seen that before, I highly encourage you to check that out. It's this amazing tool where you can. Go to flights.google.com, click the Explore tab, put where your starting destination is, pick a couple of weeks, and you can choose like a rough estimate of dates, and they'll show you an entire map of the world and prices for flights to some major cities in the entire world, which is a great starting point because then you can see, ooh, I can afford this area. I can afford this area. I definitely can't afford this area. Using this tool has found us some really crazy deals that we would have passed up on. Definitely. When we were going to Japan just this past trip, we were looking in Tokyo and Osaka, right? Like the normal places that you would fly into. And then we hovered over to Fukuoka on the west side of Japan and flights that were like $200. Yeah. Every other flight was like $600. -hmm. And we would have never thought to go there, but it just happened to be close enough. So we're like, sweet, we're flying in there. Fukuoka's great. Awesome. Like, yeah. We're going to head there instead, and then we'll just finish our trip in Tokyo. So then the other tool that we use is Scott's Two Flights are going. Yeah. So this is an email service that sends you really super cheap, sometimes even like mistake fare level cheap flights mm-hmm. directly into your inbox. 
and it's great, and you'll find some of the craziest deals. Like we found like a $74 flight to Japan two years ago, and we found this most recent trip we're taking in a couple weeks to Sydney, and we found it for like $170 to get there from Hawaii, which is nuts. But as soon as you see these flights, you have to book them immediately, like within 20 to 30 minutes of receiving the email. I can't tell you how many calls I've received and how many emails I get from Josh every time Every time one of these emails come through, he's like, want to go to Fiji? But it is true. You have to act pretty quickly to at least book the flights. They don't have to be like you travel next week to said destination, but they do go quickly in that if you see the deal, you kind of just have to know, okay, I'm going to be free sometime in December, so I'm going to book them. Yeah, and then you just kind of schedule the rest of your life around whatever this insane flight deal is. Yeah. And... It's either though it's either one of those two things, or we look to where we can fly for free using our points, using either like the least amount of points. We've never done a life lab business class together. So someday I'm sure we'll start looking to do that maybe once. I don't know. I kind of feel like we're gonna be like budget back forever basic. Backseat basic. I wanna see What? I, I have a feeling that we're just gonna be economy flying people forever. I don't know? mind that. I don't know. We're just so like We're gonna be backpackers forever. For I will sure. I don't know, I say that now, but I love carrying my backpack. There's like a point of pride in me that I won't I don't wanna carry around a suitcase. It's like part of me now. Yeah. You know? It's like it's part of my identity. I You're a say. teenage so mutant ninja turtle. What? I do look like I used to have this green backpack, this like huge thing, and when you filled it up, it made you look exactly like a teenage ninja <laughs> But I would say after we kind of figure out our budget and our time frame of where we can go reasonably and we have some options, I think we like to talk about like what kind of trip we actually want to have. I mean, there are certainly lots of places that are on our bucket list where like we definitely have to visit you know, South Africa someday. We definitely want to, I mean, I want to go to Peru someday. There's all these places that we we aspire to visit someday. Um, but when, we, when we're on a budget and we have a certain time frame and we have a few options, then we like to think about, yeah, like what kind of trip do we want to have? Are we looking for an adventure? Are we looking for some downtime, some chill time, some time to solve some problems. And so I, I think we've used this method quite a bit in the last few years. I mean, it's how we decided to go on our second Camino mm-hmm. um, in Portugal this earlier this year because we were just looking to to have just a long walk. Just that's all we wanted. Yeah, that's what we needed at that point in time. Things were just stressful and we were in over our heads. So we decided that the right vacation for us would be but it's something very straightforward, mm-hmm. something simple. And I, a quest. I, yeah, and, and I think that, yeah, that that's definitely the way that we decided. But also now YouTube is in on the mix. That's so true. Thing where we're, I would say we've learned a couple things along this whole YouTube route. We've been doing this for like three and a half years now. And I think we've learned one thing is that we're not actors, at all. And by that, I mean, we can't manufacture excitement about a place or a thing. We're just not good at it. Mm -hmm. And it's immediately visible to us and probably also to you out there, like when we're not really into something. So that means that we have to choose these locations, not based on like what would do best on YouTube. I sure wish that we could just do that because that would probably be good for our business, but we can't because every time we try to do that, the videos end up like cold and kind of like weird and distant and I don't know there's all these like weird words to describe but none of them good and 
we found that if we we found that like if we look at these locations and we're about to book the flight and we're about to do this and we're going to like make this trip for us and it's because something we're really excited about and also it's something we're really excited to share mm-hmm. to tell everyone about we're like oh man i can't wait to go and experience this like super cool thing in sydney or this like awesome camper van trip in new zealand like we're about to do that we're so pumped up about that when we make those decisions they always feel good right away mm-hmm. they always feel like the right thing right away it's not like a oh man maybe i should go on to like google trends or go on to youtube and see if anyone made like a banger viral video about like the ice cream rolls in Thailand. Banger. Not that we've ever made that video before trying to chase stupid trends, but every time that we do, we just feel so bad. We feel yeah. like so empty when we make those videos. And I think that as a result of that, those videos end up doing poorly. So there's just, I don't know. We, we've just found this thing that like, we need to be naturally excited about the, de- the destinations that we choose. And we're also, we're generally naturally excited about a good deal. Yeah. That's who we are. Oh, for sure. sure. Yeah. And we're also the kind, and we're also the kind of people that like, we love traveling anywhere, even if we've been to the place before. I mean, I know there are a lot of people that say, oh, like so many YouTubers, they go to Tokyo or they spend so much time in Korea and go somewhere different, which we totally appreciate that. And if we had all the time and all the money, we would. Um, but we also just appreciate being able to go back to places because there's something fun about rediscovering places Mm -hmm. again and finding hidden gems that you didn't see the first time. All that being said, I think we're just trying to say that there are a lot of different factors that help us decide where to go next or where to go in our travels. I think pre YouTube, it was definitely budget first and time constraint first because we were living that like nine to five. We've got a two week vacation. How do we maximize? Now, fortunately, we've been able to build towards a life where we can we can do a little bit of both. We can spend some more time in a place. We can go back to places. But also now we're our business is travel. Our travel is our business. So we kind of have to make those decisions, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we definitely both remember the sting of, like, the American never, ever give you any paid time off or vacation <laughs> time. Like, that's not that long 15 ago. 15 days, definitely, man. Yeah, where you Oof. get the 15 days. Some jobs I got literally zero. I got no, literally that's not legal. Days. They would just shame you forever into oh. taking vacation, so you felt like you never could. And then every time you'd ask for it, they'd be like, no, it's not a good time. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I it's never that, a good time. And I remember that, like, when you finally get that window, that like 10 days, you yeah. know, like you'd adjoin two weekends to try to make it like 10 days, yeah. or eight days or whatever. And then you'd be like, okay, we're going to go like six friggin' countries. We're going to fly to Europe. Yes. And then two minutes later, we're going to be out of there. And then bam, we're going to go to Portugal. And then, oh, well, do you, do you remember? Like, ah, you'd be running as fast as you could and you wouldn't experience anything. You'd be jet lagged the whole time. And you come back home, you'd just be exhausted. At like that one time for Thanksgiving, this was pre-YouTube, yeah. we went to the Midwest. Like on a red eye, we got to Chicago, rented a car, went all the way to the Midwest for for Thanksgiving dinner. I think spent one night with your family and then hopped on a plane, flew to Taiwan to spend some time with my family. And I think we were there for three days. And then we went to Bangkok because we were like, I want to go to Thailand because we're so close and we only have a week off. So uh, we came back and we're so we were so tired the next day at work. Yeah. So 
all that being said, we're very, very fortunate and we feel very lucky that, that, yeah, we have some flexibility now that we have some choice too. We do a mix of things, but it's always still like budget and time. And then what kind of adventure are we looking for or what kind of trip are we hoping for? Yeah. Yeah. And I think now the way that we do things, we have the ability to just stay for a week Mm -hmm. in every place that we go. And that's kind of the pace that we like to travel at now. That being said, when we were back in those, you know, you only get like four days of vacation per year off, I totally get why people would just go as hard as oh, they yeah. just to try to fit it all in. But knowing what we know now, which we only know because we've been so lucky to be able to travel as much as we have, yeah. I would have done the seven days in one place before because I think I would have actually experienced it mm. more. But the only way you know that and feel good about that is by having been able to go to these places a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, and I, I, I do totally understand both sides of that. So how do we decide how long to go for? We just we try to do a week in each place, and we just try to go to a place that feels comfortable, but we're in a very different position. That's enough of that. So what should we talk da, about? Da. Do you want to talk about this cruise? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So our friend Jess sent us this interesting article the other day, and I just the headline you just you just can't ignore it, right? So it's she she was like, I just want to know Lisa and Josh's hot take on this, and it's want to live on a cruise ship? A two year trip around the world from Florida will cost you this much. Two years on a cruise ship is basically what what she was asking us would would we would we would we do a two-year trip on a cruise ship how much was it per year what was the cost so if you choose the two-year option Mm -hmm. two years on this cruise ship it costs you five thousand one hundred and nineteen dollars per month per person okay so that would be that's like sixty thousand so dollars. Like one hundred twenty k for two people to be able to. That's quite a bit of money. So it turns out these live aboard cruise ships are really common. They're popping up a lot lately. I found two articles. One of them our friend sent us, and if you there's like tiers. If you spend two years on this cruise ship, it's like sixty thousand per person. Okay. So like five thousand dollars a month. If you spend one year on a cruise ship, it's about. $6,000 a month, which is 72000 a year. And they have a three-year They also have a three-year option, which is a lot cheaper, yeah. but it's like 2400 a month, which is what, like... like the, just under $30,000. So, so they're both about the same, but a three-year Yeah. Three years of three, or, not being... Well, like one to three years. I don't even... I can't even think about, like, what we're doing next weekend... How can I think about what I'm going to do every single day for a whole year? Could you imagine that? Like, okay, inside stateroom, right? So, like, you're probably on the lower part of the ship. Yeah. You're just I mean, yeah. And, I mean, the meals would be great. You'd eat great. You get, yeah. There's a lot of different amenities that come with this, too. So, I'm just looking at this one right now. which $30,000 a year, that's cheaper than it costs to live in almost anywhere in the It's so affordable. So, like, this CNN article specifically says, like, you can now live on a cruise ship for $30,000 per year. And I, like, went deep on this on this cruise ship. It's actually really luxurious, and it looks really nice. And it comes with a lot of amenities. So, it's all-inclusive. It includes access to all the dining venues. You get medical consultations. You get 
Um, you get access to their gym. You get dinners and alcohol for free. You, know, I know some, you get high-speed internet. I know some people in the United States that pay $30,000 a year just for health insurance. Just well, I don't know that. See, you get that just by being on the well, no, I don't think you still. get health insurance. You don't. <laughs> you don't get health insurance. You get free medical consultations, but it doesn't cover like pharmacy. It doesn't cover medications. They do have some. They said they have some medical surgeries available. Okay. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't. It's not inclusive. Okay. But you do get gym and fitness. You get laundry, housekeeping, entertainment, of course. But high-speed internet? Do you believe that? No. <laughs> Absolutely. I do not believe that you would get high-speed internet, especially with the high-speed internet we got on our last cruise. But but the fact that the you can get question, rent. Yes. You, you're basically renting and renting life aboard a, a cruise ship. Yeah. Okay. So would you do it? Would would you oh. sign up for any amount? Like, <sighs> so for context, we went on like a two-week cruise. <laughs> last year for you know, from alaska to hawaii yeah from alaska to hawaii yeah had a great time kind of felt like we were over the cruise ship experience yeah at the end of that at the end of that time would you my thirty thousand dollars a year would you sign up for a year my first answer is definitely not but then i started see this is the problem yeah. good value <laughs> right. it, good, it seems kind of like a, tell me more i mean it's just well the more it's like a gym membership. Like the longer you sign up for, the more valuable and the, the cheaper the price is. I, I mean, like the all the stuff that you get is pretty incredible. All your meals are cooked, TV, Wi-Fi, gym, pool, spa, access to medical care. And then you are stopping at all the different ports. So you are getting to travel. But I think ultimately I won't do it. I wouldn't do it because I don't think I could be on a ship for that long. Yeah, no, I was just thinking that same thing. Like you get used to it, but I think, I think the life aboard a cruise ship for that long of a period of time would drive me yeah. crazy. That's so funny because I totally thought you were going to say yes. Oh man, I don't, I don't know. It just, what if I change my mind? What if I don't want to go where the cruise ship is going? What if yeah. I go back home? What if I, what if I, yeah. Oh man, what if I want more? space in my life than the like you know yeah eight foot by eight foot room that they give me what if i mean there would definitely be some advantages and i think at the end of it i would be in the best shape of my life or no really life. yeah it'd be a coin flip it'd be one of those two things <laughs> either like the extreme boredom would lead me to become in the best shape of my life or i would just totally eat everything i, I mean like 20 bowls of cereal a day and just slowly lose my mind i mean the food on the cruise ship i mean this is not we went on, I think, what was it, Norwegian yeah. cruise ship. This is, I don't know, I don't even know what the cruise lines are that do this. Mm -hmm. Victoria Cruise Line and this very real one called Mirai Cruises, okay, so. the MV Gemini. Um, Honestly, this, I mean, the this food. Seems like wait. A thing that, this seems like a thing that they're doing just to like get this new cruise line off the ground and trying to get a bunch of attention. So this might be like a one-time offer, which makes it I slightly. Mean, I will say like the pictures make this MV Cruise Line, a Mirai Cruise Line. This Mirai Cruise Line actually looks really, really nice. And. I mean, we went on Norwegian cruise, and I think it was one of the older ships, but the amenities were nice. The food was excellent. I don't know. You get to go to some pretty cool places. I was looking at the itinerary, yeah. too. Yeah, um, so for Marais, you're going to 
wow, you're going to South America, you're going to Antarctica. I just... That's a $10,000 cruise right there just to Antarctica. Wait, I, is this really? Caribbean, Central America, you go to Hawaii. It's just like everywhere. Just North so Asia. Wow, you go to Japan, yeah. Taipei, Busan. South Pacific and Australia. I don't even know, but if I somehow had like a bunch of money and I was like 20 or I'd just gotten out of college and I wanted like a gap year that this might actually look pretty cool. Semester at sea? Semester, but this is like a full year of just like <laughs> cruise shipping it around to all the cool places that I wanted to go. And that would have been a pretty baller thing to do, but... That's a lot uh, of money, too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm so torn about this. What, what do you guys think of that? All right. Tell us what you think in the comments below. Would you <laughs> go on a three-year-long cruise for or two year per person or two years for 60000 or one year for how much was it for one year? Uh, like close to like 70 or 80K per person. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. the financially viable one is the three-year because probably that cruise line may not exist at the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Also, you have to really, really like your neighbors there. Oh. If you imagine, could see them for three years. Imagine how awkward it would be if like, oh, yeah, all the weird relationships that would form of three years stuck on this little boat together. I'm so fascinated. I feel like I hope someone makes a documentary about this or yeah. does a YouTube, do to, does YouTube vlogging of this because I'd be really fascinated in watching it. I, I completely understand why. I mean, I, I can, I can see, I can see the draw and why people would be into this, right? It's a great deal. You don't really have to like do any planning. You just show up, which is why I think why cruises work, especially especially for a lot of families, a lot of people who are retired um, and digital nomads. So like this article that our friend sent us, I mean, there were a lot of people that were really, really excited to do it. And mostly because of this, like you get all of this laundry, all of this taken care of, and it's oftentimes cheaper than renting or, or having your own home. So tell us what you think out there. Put it down in the comments below, please. Oh, I also wanted to say what? One of the other things that I thought was surprising about this cruise was you can invite family and friends aboard the ship. Oh, man. That's a game changer. I don't know if they can, like, sail with you or go, you know, go on the waters with you. But, like, imagine if you were docked anywhere and you wanted your friends or your family to join you and just say, like, come aboard my ship. Come hang out in my room. That's That's pretty awesome, right? Like, I could totally see the benefit of this and why some people, like, love cruises. Well, I don't know. Tell us what your thoughts are. Would you do this? Is this something you'd be even remotely interested in? One year, two year, three years or nah, yeah. I can't even think past next weekend like me. And there might even be someone out there who's already signed up for this. Oh, for and sure. If, have, if you're watching this and you signed up for this, write us a dissertation in the comments. <laughs> you want to know everything about how you made the choice, what you're excited about, like how the sign up process, what I want to know everything. And can we come visit you on the cruise ship? Yes, please. Can we come forward? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to spicy, juicy question. Spicy. That honestly, I've been putting off a little bit. That's why we were talking about a cruise ship for 20 minutes. Is that like our YouTube financials? And I yeah. don't know why I feel so weird yeah. about this. It's I don't. Like, I don't know. It's like the talking about money thing. We never really did that growing up. It was just kind of like a forbidden topic. And then I think well, I'm open to, I mean, this is a fully transparent channel, I think, as much as we possibly can. But it's so interesting because there's no other job where you're like expected to share how much you make. 
from something. Totally. Really, but like for YouTube, it's just like this. Is, I don't know. Ah, all these, I'm so afraid that you're gonna like hear these numbers and then you're gonna think about us weirdly or differently or whatever. Why? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that by us sharing this information, it helps anyone else out there who might think about starting a YouTube channel or is just curious because I do think mm -hmm. there's a huge misconception generally that travel or any content creator really, but travel content creators specifically have a butt ton of money. No, <laughs> well, and I, and I think that's a misconception because I used to think that I used to watch people on Instagram. I used to watch people on YouTube and I thought I could never do that because I don't have money, I have to work. How could you just travel? And we've been fortunate enough where we have turned part of our passion into a business, albeit still a very growing business, not not like not not mega successful, but like it's actually anyway. So this question these questions come from minpdx8 who asks has the success of your YouTube channel allowed you to continue traveling for the foreseeable future? Okay, so let's just talk about that one first, and then we'll go to the next ones. Sure. Uh, so I would say the answer to that is is kind of. So on any given month, we're making somewhere between like $2,500 and $6,000. And it really depends on which month it is and how well our videos are doing that month as well as uh, a lot of different factors. There's, there's honestly a lot. The of wind, factors. how yeah. our hair is looking that day. We have zero control over that. It's all AdSense earnings, <laughs> right? So we don't, we haven't run a brand deal on this channel for a long months, time. Maybe. Yeah. A long time. So almost all of our revenue is straight up just YouTube ads from you guys watching this. So thank you very much yeah. for doing that if you're watching or listening to this. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, generally the way that content creators on YouTube make money is when someone like you watches a video, you might see like after X amount of minutes, a couple of ads come up. Like if you happen to click them or you watch them or if you skip them. Anyway, those ads are what generate rent of revenue for YouTube. And then we get a chunk of that. So for those of you that watch our videos, thank you for watching. For those of you that click on the ads or even just like, yeah, spend any amount of time interacting with them. That helps us keep doing this. Yeah. And the, the money varies widely depending on the video and lots of other things. So for every thousand views, that's how it's calculated in YouTube. Mm -hmm. We'll make somewhere between two and like $11 for each one of those thousand views. Yeah. So if you extrapolate that out, you'll get somewhere between like 2000 and $6,000 depending mm -hmm. on the month, right? So the other part of that question, is that enough for us to continue traveling for the foreseeable future? Kind of, we're still definitely eating into our savings. Yeah. And we have been, it's slowed down. We're almost at the point where we're like evening out with our travel expenses that we have each month. But we're pretty far from the point where we're like, making any profit to kind of set some context and and give you a little bit of history of like our channel and how this even began right like the origin story if you will of our channel when when we got married or when we got engaged we decided we would take a one year honeymoon that's like how this travel story kind of began we were working 9 to 5 and we decided you know we really want to experience the world in and not just like a two-week vacation. We wanted to travel for a set amount of time. 
So we spent two, three years just saving aggressively, eating a bunch of $5 rotisserie chickens, you know, I don't know, not going out to eat, saving a lot of money, and stashing away money, selling, selling a bunch of stuff, starting up side hustles of like buying busted appliances on Craigslist and then fixing them up and then reselling yeah. them and like anything we could do to start accumulating as much cash as we and could. And that's also when we started building up points and miles um, through credit cards, um, travel credit cards, just so that we could take this one year honeymoon. So we we had no um, expectation or thought that we were going to make any money over this year of travel. Um, we quit our jobs. We we quit our jobs. We let go of our apartment, and we were supposed to start our trip after we got married. And then, of course, you know, the pandemic happened, and that kind of put everything on hold. But during the pandemic, one of the cool things that started was started was we started making YouTube videos for fun. Good morning. Hey guys, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Josh. And we're here to talk to you about what we've been doing in these crazy times. <laughs> and we started to keep going when we built out the van and started van lifing. And then when we started international travels, we just thought, well, this is fun. Let's just keep going. And while we're doing it, let's do it with the intention of trying to help others travel as well. We got some traction, but like definitely in the year of travel, I think was, I don't know when we even started making money because it does take quite a bit of time to get to turn on the money, the money like button yeah, yeah. from so, YouTube AdSense. So there's something that I got to say here, which is that if you want to make money on YouTube, the stupidest way probably <laughs> is to try to become a travel creator. And I mean that in like every possible way. It's so high risk. The only way to start is you have to literally leave your employment. <laughs> like in most other YouTube things, you can like practice making mm. some videos at home or you can make them with your friends or in your spare time or whatever, but you can keep your job. But you can't just go on a two-week vacation one time and have that be your start of your travel channel it has to like, that's true. be this consistent thing and travel itself pretty expensive you also have to quit your job and any youtube thing or any new thing anyone starts is going to take a couple months to years, years to get traction yeah and the travel creator's lifestyle of this thing or at least the expectations around it are like make a bunch of videos every week, sometimes three, sometimes four, which we later on learn just is the bad fit for us and we shouldn't have done that in the first place. And then all these other sort of expectations around quantity of release and how much you tell people and how real time the information is to mm -hmm. when you're actually releasing it. The only way to do it is by quitting your job. The only way to even come close. So the risk is super high. The return is generally super low for this for a very long time. And you have no way to practice up your skills in the meantime before you actually launch and quit your job. I don't know. Have you seen any of our quarantine videos up at the cabin? They're pretty. Please don't watch them. Please <laughs> don't watch them. They are terrible. Uh, so we've made about 350 videos so far over three and a half years. And I'd say we're just at the point where we're starting to feel good, kind of, about the things that we make. Mm. You know, we're just at that point where we're like, yeah, we're like our, you know, that uh, skill gap has started to get smaller and smaller because we didn't pre we didn't know how to do any of this. Mm -hmm. before we started, and I know that's a common story here, but we 
literally had never edited a video. No. Ever or talked to a camera intentionally. Or <laughs> intentionally. Used any of this stuff to edit these things or released something on video or put ourselves out that we had done none of that before we started. Yeah. It's our full time jobs now. And that process, no matter what that new skill is, whether it's like learning how to code a website or learning how to be a dentist again or learning how to like, um, I don't know, learning how to, did I say websites already? Um, what else would a person learn? Everything, like yeah. how to build a house and yeah, carpentry. Any skill that you would take on, you'd expect it to take like a year or two before you're like good at it. YouTube's no different. The only problem with being a travel creator is that to do it, you got to quit your job first, which means you are fully just jumping off. It means you got to save up a bunch of money and you have to spend very, very little as you're in this learning phase. I mean, I know it. And it sounds like, I mean, we're just trying to keep it real, right? For the people that are thinking about quitting their jobs to travel the world and start a YouTube channel. We're grateful and we're super, super lucky that we're even like, I look back at the last three years and I don't regret any of them. Like, I didn't think never in our wildest dream that this would be our lives. And it's amazing that we even get to call this our jobs. But it is like we're trying to keep it real. It's not it's not a get rich. It's not a get rich scheme. Not even close. No. We've been at this for three years and we're just barely getting to the point where we're like not sinking actively you know we yeah. plug most the holes in the ship and we're almost floating yeah <laughs> i would say yeah so i think like the context was to say that we didn't anticipate making any money at all in the year that we took off to travel we thought we were just going to travel but we enjoyed making youtube videos we enjoyed doing it and editing it while we were traveling it gave us some like sense of purpose and that we thought that maybe it would help other people do the same yeah. um and and that and then eventually I don't know when we started making money from it. It probably took a year and a half. Like six months ago. Yeah. Well, like ago. I mean, yeah. Making, like, real, real. Yeah. Actual amounts of money. So then it yeah. started to help. And the nice, the really thing, the the thing that I think I feel the most fortunate about is that like we didn't intend to make any money, and we did. And it helped offset the cost from the year of travel, which meant that we still had some savings, which means that now that we're like really, really excited about this and and traveling and making YouTube videos and and continuing to do that with the goal of hopefully getting others to travel and hopefully someday being able to give a trip around the world, like we have savings for that so that we can keep trying. Yeah, and also I think that there's this huge element of luck, not in just like finding traction on YouTube, but in that both of us on accident found this job of creating Mm. videos that we love and we're gonna do for as long as we possibly can, you know, that we absolutely love and we just kind of like stumbled into that. And I think a lot of people come to YouTube without fully understanding like just how much it takes and just Mm -hmm. how time consuming it is and just, how much you may not even like the work that you're doing. It's true. A lot of people editing videos, like for me, editing videos is a nightmare for me. Lisa loves it. I love it. And for a lot of people, like writing is a nightmare. Yeah. I love writing. Yeah. Diving into all these topics and figuring out all the coolest places to go. And teaching. Yeah. And, And that's just kind of a happy accident that happened to us. And I think for a lot of people that that happy accident doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's totally okay. Like, yeah, you may choose this lifestyle and you may look into this YouTube thing. You'd be like, that looks awesome. And it is without a doubt, the best
best job I've ever had. <laughs> I love it and I want to do it for as long as possible. But I think for a lot of people, just like anything else, you'll start it and you realize maybe the same for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not for me. And, that's and then there's a long, it. it's a long game. It definitely is a long game. Like we're now three years into this and we're just barely kind of reaching a point, like, like you said, where we're feeling comfortable with what we're making, our purpose and, and what we're trying to do. But that being said, it's, it's not very predictable. So to answer the question, I mean, has the success of our channel allowed us to continue traveling for the foreseeable future? It's ex- kind of, it's extended yeah. Our runway. yeah. It's extended our runway significantly. Uh, no question, but we're still losing money. I mean, all of that, we spend a lot of time going deep on that. But I think the short answer is kind of, right? The success of our channel has allowed us to keep traveling. I don't know for how long we're going to keep trying. I think the main thing is that it's given us some more runway to try, to keep trying because we have found something that we're really excited about and we love that we get to do this, that we even get to try. Yeah. Um, so we keep, we will keep doing it until we can't, we can't anymore. You know, like I think it's YouTube is, is strange in that. Like, I think one of the other questions that, um, this viewer asks is, you know, have you noticed any types or countries or videos that are most popular? And I was just going to say, I think we touched on this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, popular would generally insinuate yeah. profitable, but they're not always directly. Connected That's true. YouTube. But I would say, you know, in general, what we've learned is that YouTube is just mega inconsistent. You know, I think some months our income is $2,000 to $3,000 a month just from YouTube ad revenue. And then some months, like as of late, $5,000 a month, which is pretty exciting for us. But like, it's hard to know if that will stay that course or if it'll you know, go down. And a lot of it does depend on which places we visit, where our viewers are watching from, how many viewers watch, it's all actually, of that. Yeah, it's entirely based on where your viewers are watching, first of all. So it has how uh, how much money you make per thousand views. Remember when we were talking about that before, like that 2 to $11 range? To get to that higher number has nothing to do with the country you filmed in, but the viewers that are watching your video, where they're from, that determines how much money you're making per thousand views. Yeah, it's a very fascinating world, I think. We didn't know any of this. No. We're yeah. still a little lost. Yeah. <laughs> but I think really that goes back to the point of this whole thing. Like, we're not making this YouTube channel just to get, like, unfathomably rich and then buy a yacht. <laughs> That's not the intention <laughs> of this thing at all. What we're trying to do is be able to support ourselves. Definitely. Get health insurance. Kind of close. Get health insurance. Maybe start socking a little bit of money away for retirement. That'd be nice. Yeah. Right? It's a thing people do. And then after that, we just want to take all of that shove it into something that we haven't built yet and then use that thing to be able to give around and then use that thing to be able to give trips around the world to as many people as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And eventually, hopefully, if we get to the size where we can pull this off, we're going to give away a trip around the world to one person and then hopefully create like a world scholarshipy thing where we can do that for as many people as possible because both of us believe in this thing so strongly that if everybody got a chance to take a trip around the world, we just think the world would be a better place. Totally. And that's all we're trying to do here. We're just trying to support ourselves, maybe stock, maybe stock away a little bit of money on the side so we can retire. And then the rest of it is just, we just want to give it back to you in the most direct way, travel related possible. Travel related possible. Travel possible. <laughs> 
anyway, thanks for asking that question. That wasn't that wasn't so bad to talk about, right? <laughs> I don't know how you'll feel out there. It just no. I mean, it is what it is, and the truth is, we want to keep doing this for as long as possible, and we appreciate those of you that watch and actively participate because it definitely helps us. And hopefully we reach a level of success where we can, we can give directly back to. Yep. I think that's it. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, this one, this one, we answered a lot of questions. Um, we talked a lot about a lot of different things, but if you have any thoughts or any questions or comments, feel free to throw them in the YouTube video comment. And if you're listening on podcast, thank you for listening. Feel free to visit that video and uh, also leave a comment. If you'd like, you can always send us an email as well. We're enjoying doing these every Thursday and we hope to hear from you next week. Yes. So please leave comments down below. We'll answer your questions on next week's travel support Thursday. Thank you so much. See you then. Bye.